Hi, and welcome back to the E5 podcast. Uh, I'm joined this week, as always. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm Pastor Rob. Uh, I'm joined this week, as always, by uh, Pastor Robbie. Hey, y'all. And our pastor, uh, Pastor David Willis. Welcome to the show. And this week, joined by our associate pastor, uh, Brother Mike Mize. It's good to be here. So uh, we're excited about these episodes. Uh, as we mentioned on last week's podcast, we're going to take the next few weeks uh, and we're going to really be diving into uh, our new discipleship model, our new discipleship system uh, that, that we are, are really excited about that we call 4D. Uh, and uh, as you'll hear about over the next few weeks, that, that kind of uh, stands for Discover, Decide, Disciple, and Deploy. And so we're excited today uh, and next week as well, we're going to be digging into the topic of discover. So what exactly that means. Uh, and I'll pass it over to you, Pastor Robbie, uh, and you guys can kind of get us uh, kicked off into this today. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. As, uh, as Rob said, we're going to spend really probably about the next couple months uh, walking through some of this material and while some of it is unique to Link Church, I do. I'm confident that if you are listening and you're not part of Link Church, there will be plenty throughout this that you can glean and benefit from as well. Um, before we get into this, uh, Pastor David, you you originally, I mean, this honestly, this model was kind of your kind of your baby. I mean, and we're, we're we've built it. We're in the process of building it. I would not say that what exists today is what will exist three years from now even, but it is it is ultimately the outflow of really where we've been at a church, I would say at least since 2015. So what what gave birth to the need for this in, in your mind? And then I'm, I'm glad to overview the model and, and talk about that, but what's, what's your talk to me? Honestly, uh, when you went back and if you go back when we first started pastoring the church, Sister Brittany and I, in 2012, the church rapidly grew, became very uh, functional and in a move of God, power of, power of the Holy Spirit would fall, things took place. But we've seen a tremendous amount of people come through the doors, get saved, and then we didn't see them no more. And that became very bothersome to me personally and uh, began to pray about that, began to think about that. And somewhere around the end, uh, somewhere around October, the end of October in 2014, I remember the Spirit of the Lord speaking to me on a Sunday morning, um, standing on the stage, and I turned around and told Mike, who's sitting here today, that starting next week, for the last seven weeks of the year, we were shutting every single thing down. We were going to no longer have worship music. We were no longer going to have any types of classes or programs. We literally were going to just come into the sanctuary. We would have a season of, of prayer. There would be a season of vision casting. Uh, we would have acapella worship, and I would preach, and it was the longest seven weeks of your life. Um, but the reasoning for that was because I felt like God told me that we had quit putting all the focus on creating disciples, and we had got caught up more in well, we know how to have church. And having church is fantastic, and having a move of God is what we desire here, obviously, at Link Church. 
but it is absolutely useless for us to see a hundred people come through our doors through the year, get saved, and only three of them actually be retained as disciples. No, I want to jump in real quick. I actually, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I actually preached the last Sunday service for y'all. Yeah. Before you shut everything down, you did, and you told me a little bit about about what was in your heart, but not really all of it. But something that is deeply embedded in my in my memory from that, and, and on occasion the Lord the Lord speaks to each of us that are that are here recording today and, and lets us speak prophetically. Often I don't remember a lot about what that was. This one I actually remember pretty well. I remember that God had me come off that platform and say to you, and I wasn't part of our staff at the time. I was pastoring somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But but the Lord had me say this to you, Dave. God said to tell you that what's in your heart is his will, it's his plan, and it is going to cause people to hate you. People are going to despise you. You're going to have people turn on you that you believed would be loyal to the very end. This is going to expose factions in the church that you don't even believe are there. And God said to tell you to commit to the process, not to be shaken by what comes, because this will lead to the growth that you've been praying for. That's exactly right. I don't know if you remember that or not, but very, very vividly. uh, I've chewed on it a time or two. Very vividly, and and I will tell you that in that process, there was things that Michael and I can speak to that never would have been revealed to us. Uh, I'm go- I'm going to say Judas type situations, or if you want to call snake in the grass, or whatever you want to say, there was situations that never would have been revealed to us had we not done what we done. It is never a comfortable feeling splitting a church that's running 220 all the way down to uh, one Sunday running about 95, okay? Uh, When you are standing up there trying to praise, and I leaned over to Michael and said, how many of these people behind me hate my guts? And he says, all of them, including me. It's not a fun process. He was joking in the situation, but that's how it felt. And I'll never forget I actually made a phone call to you, Pastor Robbie, about March of that year. It was somewhere about three months into the process. And I remember saying, I don't think I can do this. I'm just going to go back and start over with what everything. And I remember you telling me, one, remember the word that God had given me that morning that you had brought. But two, if this is the hill God told me to die on, then die on it. And that, that rung with me. Wow. I remember thinking, okay, if I'm going to do this, then either I'm going to do it and something good's going to happen or it's not. That's incredibly And powerful. you give me a story. You give me a story um, that day, and you told me, you said, you probably don't know this, Dave, but before John Lindell pastored at James Rivers, he pastored, I believe it was in Kansas City, and that he cast the same vision in Kansas City that he does now at James River, and it didn't go well. Sometimes you just got to realize that it's the timing, it's God. And and in that moment, I wasn't feeling like God was in it at all. But I can tell you now in 2023, sitting here where we're at at this moment, I can look back and go, oh, my God, if we hadn't done what we'd done, we wouldn't be where we're at. I got to just throw something in there real quick. Uh, So Dr. Jim Ryan, uh, who was the founding pastor of Westover Hills Church, uh, is, in, in in my opinion, in my opinion, not worth a lot, but I think the man is a Pentecostal genius. Actually. Very much. Um, but he said something. I've heard people my entire ministry say this phrase, everything rises and falls on leadership. 
Last October, I took a class with him where he opened the class by saying, I want to expose a lie most of you have been told. And he said, you've been lied to and told everything rises and falls on leadership. I dropped my book and quit everything I was doing and looked up because I believe that wholeheartedly. This is what he said. Now, I want to share this because I think out there somewhere today, there's a leader that's listening to this that you have overbelieved that. Now, does leadership matter? Wholeheartedly, yes. But he actually pointed this out. He said, if everything is leadership, why does one leader fail miserably in one location, go to another location and do the exact same thing and succeed beyond all of his peers? Mm. He said, the man or one may have learned something, but they are still fundamentally the same leader. This is what he said. He said, it's not just about leadership, it's about organization. And every organization is doing what it's designed to do right now. So if you don't like what your organization is producing, you need to redesign it because today, and he said whether it's in the corporate world or the church world, every organization is currently doing exactly what it has been designed to do. Now, I've swam around in that a lot, but ultimately what God was telling you in 2015 is you've got to redesign. Yeah. He wasn't saying you're a bad leader. He wasn't saying you failed this church. That's in right. fact, you'd taken the church from 40-something to over 200, but the Lord was saying this design is not sufficient to go where I'm wanting to take Lynch. Right. That was exactly right. And and the, the design process was, being completely honest, you would come to what we then referred to as Fernwood Assembly of God. You would come to church there, and you would experience a Pentecostal outpouring move of God, and you would leave, and that was the extent of it. That's what we knew how to do. We knew how to have church. We didn't know how to disciple people. You want to share something? Yeah, I was just thinking here as, as we were discussing this, you know, uh, a couple of things. When, when he says that he was on the stage uh, when he made this announcement to myself, um, he's not lying. This was in the middle of service, you know, and I'll never forget Peyton looking at me and, and he said uh, he was laughing and I'm like, did you hear that? And he said, no, I didn't hear it, but the look on your face. Yeah. And I mean, to have this night, and, and he tells me in, in that conversation that we're not going to do this this week because I've got Robbie coming to preach next week. We're going to wait a week and then we're going to do this. But as a, yeah, you're welcome. As a, as a person that survived that, I'm going to tell you that seven weeks to me was very difficult. It was hard to go have church where there's no music. It was hard to raise your hands and say, thank you, Jesus, and, and praise God whenever there's no setting for that, no mood for that. But it helped me grow so much, and I think it helped all of our people grow so much to depths that, yeah. that we didn't even realize was in us. Amen. You know, it was such a personal journey that we took together. Does that Amen. make sense? Yes. yes. Something that uh, I wasn't here for the seven weeks, uh, so I just get to hear the horror stories. But uh, something that I've always been curious, and Dave, you and Mike can answer this question, was it always the plan to go seven weeks, or was this God told you to go to, uh, go to the mountain that I will show you type thing? It was one of those things in complete honesty. Uh, one of the reasons we did that was because when the Lord spoke to me, he literally, the song, the song, and I can't think of the name of it, Rob, but it starts uh, when the music fades and That's all is stripped heart away, heart of worship. Well, we don't even like to sing that song no more. I mean, because literally they started flashbacks. They start, yes, that's right. Literally, they were singing that song when the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, what if I take it all away? And I begin to think, because I begin to watch our church, if the power of the music wasn't there, we didn't praise as hard. If things weren't flowing, 
and I began to realize we were more in love with the music and the programs mm. than we were the actual spirit and presence of God. And so when I said, okay, God, what do we do? And God told me just what the song says. Take it all away. Take away the music. When the music fades, take away the programs. Recast the vision. Make disciples. And I said, for how long? And, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me very plainly and said seven weeks. And seven's number of completion. Eight's the number of new beginnings. So we did it for seven weeks. We felt like the process would be complete. At the end of the seven weeks, the eighth week was January. It was the first Sunday in January. That was the new beginnings. We started a new year. Uh, it was the most miserable next seven months of my life. And I mean that. It was seven months before any fruit began to show from that. Wow. I remember being in West Virginia getting a phone call about some of the stuff that was going on while I was gone. I was preaching a camp meeting out there and looking at my wife saying, I'm getting on a plane now and I'm going home to handle this. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and Mike and said, don't go home now because you're not going to respond the way you should. And so I'll never forget this, though, and I mean this. There's an old mountain backwoods preacher in Tennessee. His name's Daryl Bowling. I was sitting in a service the next day. I'm on my knees and I'm calling out to God. And this man knows nothing about what's going on in my church. Nothing. I've just met him for the first time that year. Comes over and leans down in my ear and he's got to, he, he used to be a logger. He leans down in my ear with that gruff voice and he says, son, God's about to cut the head off that three-headed snake. Don't worry about it. You just stay here and do what God told you to do. And I tears streaming down my face. I'll never forget that because it showed me that while I was out there doing what God needed me to do, God was speaking to someone out there a thousand miles back home about what's going on. And so seven months of this before anything, that was the moment when things began to turn though. When that happened, things began to turn. Now I'm telling you, there was battles. There's still battles. There was things that was fought over the next several months, even several years. And it took a process when we got to that place. But it all comes down to this, Pastor Robbie, to answer the simple question you asked that I've took the long way to getting to. I like the long way. It was this. God told me, he said, you're having great church, but you're not turning me any disciples. Wow. Wow. And I said to myself, okay, God, then we're going to start putting focus because my organization was doing exactly what it was designed to do, have church. Right. And, man, we, we had something like seven nights a week, it felt like. We knew how to have church, okay? We knew how to be in the house of God, but we weren't churning out no disciples. And it was in that moment that God spoke to me sitting on my couch during this process, during that seven weeks, that he said, you're going to redo everything. I said, okay, God. And I was reading a book called Simple Church by uh, Rainer, Tom Rainer. Um, the Lord spoke to me in while I was reading the book, and he said, you've got to get you a purpose. You've got to get you a purpose. And that was where I got get linked. I said, okay, God, what are we getting linked to? And God spoke to me and said, well, to me first. You know, kind of like a, that's, a good that's a good place to start. Get linked to me first. And so I went, all right, we'll get linked to God. And then I said, all right, if we're going to make disciples, then disciples require relationships, friendships, things like that, mentors, people to speak. We'll get linked to others. And then I thought, what's behind that? Well, you know what? The most important thing behind that is that we get linked to the community. And once we get linked to the community, then we go from there. And so for several years, that was our whole purpose statement, um, which 
then last year we added a, a an end to that, and I'm, I'll, we'll let Rob explain some of that here in just a second. But what you are hearing right now, I want to explain just right quick, is for the next eight weeks, we are building what we are going to call um, secondary opportunities behind our 4D program. Last week, we un, we un veiled some of the 4D process. And, and what that's going to be is that starting in May, I believe May 21st is going to be our first class. Right. And this is for people that have been here since 2012 or way before even. Yeah. Or if you come last week or if you show up May 21st and you say, man, I like this church. I want this to be my church. 4D discipleship is about the four things that we said. Discover, decide, disciple, deploy. We want you to discover who Jesus is and who Link Church is. We want you to decide that you want to follow Jesus and that you want to be part of our body of God. We want to disciple you to do things in the manner that Christ would have them to be done and the direction of our vision that we do. And then we want to deploy you to be on our serve team and do things inside of that. That's what 4D is. When you sign up for that class, it's going to be immediately after our second service on May the 21st. It'll be offered in May, June, and July, so three times in a quarter. Uh, But when you sign up for that class, you come, you take the class. That day when you leave, you'll get a free T-shirt. says 4D, has those, has those uh, words on it, Dis, uh, discover, decide, disciple, deploy. You'll get a copy of our 4D book that Pastor Robbie has put together uh, to help you continue. But then you will also have these eight weeks of podcasts that you can go where we will go way more in depth on what 4D is and break it down. We're only taking that class for two hours that day. We're going to feed you a free meal. We're going to take that class for two hours. But that is going to be a new requirement for you to become a member of Link Church going forward. If you want to do that, you got to take that. Uh, And then we will have a graduation at the end of the quarter or that three-month period, which this time would be July. I believe it will be July 30th. Um, But in that, on that weekend, we'll have a Friday night freedom night where we – pray with people that are dealing with bondages, uh, uh, maybe spirits of infirmity, sickness, things like that. We still believe, guys, we say this every Sunday, if God still does supernatural things, we might as well realize that the enemy's still trying to work in the supernatural also. You know, he's still trying to do things out there also. So we believe that there are things that people need help with. And so we have Friday night freedom night. And then on Saturday night, we're going to have fire night where we bring everybody in that we possibly can and believe for them to get closer to God and be filled with the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in other tongues, because we do believe in those things. We believe in that power and what it brings into us. Uh, We don't want you to just have a Corvette we want you to have a Corvette with a motor in it, okay? And so uh, go get those things. And then on that Sunday night, we'll have a family night. And so you say, why do you do those things? Because the purpose behind all of this is if we can get you discipled, we can get you free from things that the enemy's tried to hold you back with, and we can get you set on fire with God, the family of God that we will build here will be unlimited to what God can do for us. And so As we do this over the next eight weeks, we're building a program that goes along with our two-hour class for 4D that if people want to go farther and more in-depth with it, they'll have the ability to do so. Pastor Rob, will you tell us, though, we added one last year, and it was called Link to Nation. So we had Get Link to God, Get Link to Others, Get Link to Community, and then we brought you guys on board to help us with Get Link to the Nation. So talk to us about that right quick, and then we are going to dive off into what we got planned today. Absolutely. So 
when it came to getting linked to the nations, um, it was something that became very apparent just before Lydia and I came on staff here with Link Church. Um, it started with a student named Brilliant who attended uh, University of the Ozarks, and uh, she was regularly attending the church, and uh, Brilliant started inviting other students to come. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on all this, Pastor David, because this was before my time. And uh, some awesome people within the church began to see Brilliant and, and these other college students getting involved and, and coming to the church, and they began to wonder, uh, you know, what it would take to really get a get a solid college ministry up and running. And one of one of the biggest things that was easily noticeable about these students is that they were mostly international. Yep. Um, that's one of the things that University of the Ozarks is very unique in. Uh, the student body is a large percentage of international students, yes, quite more than your average university. Um, and, you know, Pastor David and uh, Sister Brittany began to uh, to recognize the need there and then began to pray about, you know, God, just send us the, send us the right people to head that yes. up. And about that time, Lydia and I, you know, we were in between churches. We were looking for a place to go. And when Lydia and I left our previous church, she asked me, she said, so where are we going to go to church on Sunday? And I said, we're going to go home. We're going to go to Dave's. You know, uh, I've shared multiple times, Pastor David's one of my best friends in the world. So that was clear to me I was going to go to his. And after we had been attending for a little while, um, Pastor David came and, and approached us and we came on staff. And this falls right on on Lydia and I's heart already. We're a firm believer in a concept called missions in reverse. And that's what what my long way of, of getting to this right here. Uh, missions in reverse. Uh, not everyone, most of people who, who come to our churches, they're not going to have the opportunity to go out on mission fields to that's the Congo right. or go out on, on missions trips to Haiti or... Um, or Mexico City, or or various different places. I mean, it it'll happen. We we as a church, we believe in missions, and we will do missions trips, and and have done missions trips. You know, uh, Pastor David preaches youth camps in in Virginia and in all kinds of places, and uh, many people in our church go with him as as a missions trip to help pour out into uh, you know U.S. missions and stuff. But um, but international missions, there's not a whole lot of people who we'll get those opportunities to go. Yeah. Um, however, what we have come to find out is that when you have an international student who comes to the United States of America to go to university, there's some really powerful things involved with that. Number one, most of them speak English at least well enough to where you can communicate with them. They're passable yeah. in English. If if they're not, then they're going to struggle with their classes, and, and they don't come here to struggle in their yeah. classes. They come to succeed. And so most of them speak English fairly well. Uh, they're interested in American culture, so they want to know about our religions. They want to know about uh, our society. And quite honestly, the majority of students have heard all of these horror stories about America, so they come to our university and then they just hide in their rooms because they are so worried about, you know, the only United States they know is what they see on TV. So yeah. they think they're going to go outside and, you know, somebody's going to shoot them or somebody's going to stab them and, and they're not going to even be able to go to their classes. Uh, you know, we've seen students who've been hauled up in their room for two, three weeks at a time because they were too scared to go outside their own door. Um, and so you you have these students who are ready-made 
to pour into, and then they're going to return to their home countries. Yeah. So rather than sending missionaries to go fight the uphill battle of learning their culture and being a part of, uh, of their culture before they can really start to witness and win souls for Christ, why not take advantage of the fact that we have students who are coming to our shores, right. who are wanting to know about Jesus, who That's are right. wanting to know about our culture, who are, are active and wanting to be involved and teach them, pour into them, disciple them. And then when they have to go back to their home countries, they go back with all of this knowledge of how to create disciples. You know, and I'm looking forward to the day when several of our students who are freshmen or sophomores currently in our group, when I'm going to be sad to see them go, but I'm going to be loving to get these emails and these, these messages of, hey, you know, that 4D process that, that we, we learned at, at Link Church, I just helped disciple somebody who came, gave their heart and life to Christ here in my church in, in Haiti or here in my church in the Congo or to get a message from, you know, one of our young men who lives in Mexico City and he said, I just led, you know, my entire you uh, cell group to, yeah. to Jesus. Yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to those days and I'm believing that they're going to come. Amen. Those um, you mentioned brilliant uh, is actually Heather Dickerson who got in contact with brilliant. Heather works at the college, got brilliant to come into church, and then the next thing you know, kind of was born out of that. And then right. we put in, started putting an emphasis on it when we brought Robin Lydia on. Uh, we brought them on as staff members, but uh, they raise a budget. They try to raise a budget the best Correct. they can, yes. and uh, and we as a church have covered some of that at times. But if you're out there and you don't support what we do, that's kind of our own in-house missionary program yeah. that we do that monthly support would be great for. You say, well, I don't really know what it does. Let me tell you that there's probably 20 to 30 regular college students that attend mm -hmm. our church now oh, yeah. based out of this program where before we had been here, I'd been pastoring here for 10 years, and we didn't put no emphasis on what we had at the university. So in one year alone, we've seen emphasis being put on the university, yeah. Uh, yeah. bring in 20 to 30 young people that attend here uh, and will eventually, someone like Brilliant, Brilliant's living mm -hmm. in Atlanta now, working mm -hmm. a job, but the impact we had on her life, she's still reaching out to people here, still watches and sees stuff here. And so, uh, and, and as, as Rob said, I hope you understand that Man, I struggle to speak English. These these kids, right. most of them that I visit with, can speak mm -hmm. three and four languages when they come in here to visit with us. And so what they're doing here, the opportunity for us to sow into their lives and to have campus uh, missionaries and staff, I'm just saying, hey, if you're not supporting, man, $10 a month, $15 yeah. a month, anything you can give helps out with Absolutely. that. But what it does is it puts us in position to continue to be able to speak into their lives. And when they go back to Zimbabwe and Haiti and all the places mm -hmm. where they're from, they're going to remember the impact that Link Church had on them, and they're going to share Jesus with somebody there. Absolutely. Can I, if I can build on that, we have a, a baptism service coming up soon, and it reminded me because the last baptism service we had, two of our students from our group decided that they wanted to get Amen. baptized. And I remember we took a picture afterward, and uh, what was funny is 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 several of our several of our, our home students, our local students that are not from other countries that are from right here in the states. Uh, we didn't catch them before we took this picture. And so we took a picture, and I remember looking at this picture and seeing almost, I think it was almost 20, and then beginning to think, man, there's like 10 or so that we didn't get to grab before they got out of here. And I was I was shocked as I was thinking, wow, has our group really grown from two or three students to 30 in, in, in that length of time? And in that picture, I remember it was approximately 12 
different countries represented, yeah, including the, diversity. the United States. Um, regular students who come from Mexico City, regular students who come from uh, Haiti, regular students who come from uh, the Congo. Um, one young woman who uh, attends our group regularly, uh, from my understanding, her father is is uh, actually a, a pretty big deal within uh, within Africa of the Assemblies of God. He's, he's one of the high up leaders. And you would have never thought that in little Clarksville, Arkansas, that somebody who is one of the heads of our denomination worldwide, uh, his daughter gets to come. And, and it's just so honoring to us, you know, that, that we get to pour into uh, those lives. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that, that God has given this church the opportunity to speak into the lives of, of so many wonderful students from all across the globe. Something, uh, Pastor Mike, I'm coming right to you here in a second there. I want, I want Mike to speak to something here in a second. If you got something you want to add to all that, then do that as well. Um, but so, Rob, when you're talking about 4D, you the word process. That really is how I want people to understand 4D. It's a process. These are steps, and they're mm-hmm. steps that are going to be ongoing. So discover, decide, disciple, deploy. And we'll, we'll unpack those steps a little bit here in a little while. But the reason we're starting right here with our purpose, Link Church exists to empower people to get linked to God, to others, to community, and to the nations, is because that really was that initial reorientation in 2015, the redesign, if you will, to, I remember, David, when you called me, I was sitting at my desk at the church, I passed at the time, and you said God spoke two words to me, get linked. And I could have never known how deep those two words yeah. were actually going to lead us ultimately to, to where this we point. are. Yeah. Right. And, and, and Mike, honestly, above probably, and we're all passionate about this, but, but in the early stages, especially beyond all of it, all of us, you had a passion for this link to others thing that, that was really significant. I heard you talk about a lot of how we started reaching millennials when we began to finally understand the power of relationships. And so you got things you want to add to this conversation we've just been having to jump in because we talk fast and and uh, I realize you got to say, hey, I'm here, guys. Uh, but then lead us into that. He's going to speak to that, but what you just said is right. Tell the, like the average age of attendance that we had then was not what it is now. Like our church was predominantly 45 and above. So talk about some of that. So. Wow, that's I want to I want to jump back to Rob right quick just to tell this because this just touched my heart. Now uh, every week when I come in and I see those and I see those international kids, especially the the young ladies, um, because I have daughters, right? And I, I I shake all of them's hands and talk to them. I can't tell you any of them's names. I don't do names well, but I always tell them every week. I ask them this question: Have you called your father this week? Because that would be important to me if my mm-hmm. daughter was overseas that somebody was asking them, hey, call your father. He's worried about you, you know. Um, Daniel, the young man, I think is, yes. is that right? Yes, Daniel. Yeah, he, uh, he told me that he came and shared with this with me the other day, and I want to share it right quick if I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he, said, uh, he said, I got to talk to my mother about our church, and she asked me about the worship. Mm-hmm. And he said, now, I have a little granddaughter that's 18 months old, and in the middle of worship, she'll want to come and see her papa. So she wanders up there with me, and she'll dance, and she'll hold up her little hands. And he was telling his mother about my granddaughter, and he said, I get to stand beside the associate pastor and this little redheaded girl that comes up. And But 
making a difference in people's lives. I mean, that's what this is mm-hmm. all about. Praise and God. he's calling home, sharing, hey, this is going on. Yeah, this is good. not something that's just going to happen right here in, in Lincoln Church, but this is worldwide. Amen. 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 It's amazing to me to see how things go from just this little bodunk nowhere church to worldwide. Glory. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so linked to others, man, when we first got started, uh, our, our church, we were mostly just uh, old folks. You know, Dave was one of the youngest ones here, and he was our pastor. I'll, I'll never forget the story where the the lady and in, uh, in in when they were were uh, interviewing him, asked him if he felt like he was old enough to pastor this church. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that, the truth. Yeah. Do you think you're old enough to be the pastor of this church? <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I still don't know that I'm old enough to be the pastor <laughs> right. of this church. I mean, I wasn't going to say anything. But, yeah. but I'm as, not pointing fingers, but you put a very big TV in the front of our sanctuary. That is Things true. Like 15 by 7 feet. Yeah. That's a sign you hired somebody too young. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> we, yeah. Uh, we have fun around here anyway, right? We... Uh, but we began to see that, that there was a generation of, of people, and it was very dear to my heart because that generation of people that we were missing was my kids. Right. Amen. Right? That, Amen. And, and we would see them come up through church and grow up in church and then go to college. And when they left college, all of a sudden, they didn't want anything to do with God, didn't want anything to do with, with church. With us. With us. I mean, they, they hated us. I mean, they and, and I said, man, you know, we're missing something yeah. somewhere. But this link to others things, man, it's it's – it's about building relationships that it's not just, hey, how you doing, but it's it's tight-knit. It's friends that, that you can lean on, that you can call, people you can say, hey, I'm having a crisis. I need you to help talk me through this. You know, that's what linking to others is about. It's it's about building a, a relationship with someone, even if it's just one person that can help hold you accountable, that can that's say, right. hey, where are you at? You know, I missed you this week. I'm, I I didn't see you at church. How's your life going? What's going on? Can I help with anything? Yeah. You know, and everybody wants that relationship with the pastor. Sure. But in reality, when you have 450, 500 people, it's hard to have, I mean, he can't have that many relationships. Right. So we all have to step up. I'm not that likable anyway. <laughs> Let's be He's real. really not. <laughs> anyway. I don't want to say it. Yeah, I will say it. <laughs> to, 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 to have people step up and say, I'm going to build relationships. And we've tried several discipleship programs that, that some worked and some didn't. And, and we've struggled. That's one thing about Link church. We've never been afraid to punt. If it ain't working, That's exactly we'll try right. something else. But we, we've, we've instilled in our people that, that you need to build relationships with people. And, and so many times, man, without going into a lot of details, there's a young man in our church that's going through a, a terrible time. I, I, I don't ever want to have to go through what he's going through, right? Yeah. But I see the guy that, that's his mentor go and pray for him week after week after week, and that's what building relationships to me is all about. Praise God. You know, you're, you're talking about that, and this is just a compliment, but there's a, there's a young family that started coming to our church in the last month, and uh, she works with a young lady that actually has been going to our church for several years. And they got to talking about it one day, and the young lady that's just started attending told her, she said, you know, I watch your church online all the time, and kind of opened up conversation, and she said, well, you should come see us in person. And she said, well, I'll be honest. She said, we, we want to, and we're going to. She said, but really what draws me to your church is that on the video, I can literally see that you people, your people do not treat each other differently. She said, like, the diversity of there's there's white and black and Hispanic, people from different nations, different countries. Yeah. And she said, you go around and she said, you can see the uh, the 
the people from different walks of life and people I even know that have backgrounds that are not what people call churchy and that everybody just hugs and loves and doesn't care. And that's probably one of the biggest compliments in ministry I've ever got is that someone literally watching a screen could look and go, wow, those people genuinely do care about others. <laughs> and that's what linking to others is all about. You know, they, they tell us with, especially in, in drug rehab stuff, that you have to separate yourself from the friends that you had. And so many times when you get saved, you have to separate yourself from some of that. You have to to have somebody that's willing to say, I will be your friend. I will be a connection that you can have that, that's worth having. That's right. I, I want to stop right here and unpack this for a minute because this is such a key element of who we are and why we're doing what we're doing. So linked to God, to others, to community, to the nations. For me, what that is is a powerful validation that there is more to living out our faith than learning how to pray. Now, I want to be very clear that I'm not shortchanging that at all. We believe in prayer. We believe in the Word. We believe in fasting. And occasionally I hear this stupid rumor going around that we're not really Pentecostal anymore. (laughs) I just challenge you, if you think that nonsense, to just break away and come visit (laughs) one. I'm not trying to proselytize anybody. Just come in. I'm going to tell you, I've seen Pentecostals turn white as a sheep because we were too scary for them. Amen. Uh, um, moving beyond that, though, there's just a quick plug for any uh, uh, anybody out there that's wondering. Um, we believe being linked to God is first. But do you know what it did for me when we said part of our purpose, that is part of why we exist, is to connect people to others. That is a validation of the power of relationships. This is the reality. People need people. I've heard people all my life uh, say, well, uh, you know, yeah, they went to that church, but that was just a social thing that they were doing over there. That was just a meal. That that had nothing to do with God. Oh, really? That's interesting because the, the, the fact is this, is that if you're going to make it in your walk with Christ, you're going to need people. I know when we when when we were kids, we used to sing a song. Me and Jesus got our own yeah. thing going. We Not true. Tell us Not true. About. That's a bitter lie. That's bad theology. Throw that garbage in the trash. That's if you right. like it, sing it. But know that it's great part of the song, Bible. but it's not true. <laughs> Nothing to do with Jesus or the Bible. Good good old fashioned country music. Uh, but so brother, that's my favorite song. That's awesome. If that's your favorite song, <laughs> sing it. But know that you need somebody to tell you what it's all about. And you and Jesus need the body of Christ. That's why He created the church. He, he said, I will build my church yeah. and the gates of That's hell right. will not prevail against him. So r- real quick, there's a man by the name of, we may, may have mentioned this in a previous episode, though I think it's the lost one. I think it's the one that's still out there somewhere. Um, the, uh, working on that. <laughs> I'm still working on that. So when, the, when the, the war on drugs in the United States started, it was built on a basic premise that drugs were so addictive that if somebody ever got this chemical substance, some of these chemical substances in their system, they would they would never make it out, right? And so one of the things that those those that 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 theory was built on was these experiments with rats, where they would inject a rat intravenously with cocaine or with heroin, and they would put it in a cage, and the rat had access to food and water, uh, or it had this lever it could hit to give itself another shot of drugs. What they found over and over with one experiment after another was that these rats would literally drug themselves to death. They would keep taking drugs till they killed themselves. And, and so the the narrative began to spread in the in the United States that hey, drugs are the big demon out there. And let me say in case anybody wants to misquote me, 
I believe that you should not do drugs. Exactly. Pastor, did I say that clear enough? They, they are demonic. They, they no are doubt. demonic. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but so there came a psychologist years down the road that said, hey, I've noticed that all these experiments have something in common. The rats are always in the cage alone. They said, let's do something different. Let's put 20 rats in one cage and let's build them a park and let's give them some of the stuff that rats like to do. But let's keep, let's let them still have access to drugs and see what happens. You know what they found? They found that many of the rats completely quit drugs yeah. when they had other rats and almost all of them cut way back. You know what they found? They found that the blind spot in addiction study was relationships. Those rats were killing themselves because they were alone. Isolation. The opposite, Johan Hari said this, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It is connection. Oh, that's good. That's good. And somebody uh, that is out there and you think, well, relationships in the house of God are not that important. We probably should have had a discussion with the book of Acts about that because literally when the church exploded, they started going from home to home, breaking bread, literally teaching the scripture and building relationships, correct? Absolutely. <laughs> Robert, you want to say something there? Uh, no, I was I was actually trying to signal you get get, it, get in your mic a little better. Okay, I got you. My apologies. That is not something I often get ta- told. You just get out of that mic. So we've pretty much established we're we're working through whether you've realized it or not. We're working through our purpose yeah, statement here. So we right. we've talked about being linked to God a little bit. We've talked about being linked to others. We jumped and got linked to the nation. So, Pastor Robbie, build us some community here. How do we get linked to community? What's that mean? So community is another area that people hate on if you start spending a lot of time serving your community people are going to accuse you of the social gospel of compromise or whatever but let me just say it like this if the church of jesus christ is active and healthy in any location that community should be transformed and blessed just because we're there right there is a passage in the old testament that said when the righteous are ruling the city rejoices, right? So now I'm not suggesting that we're ruling here, but what I am saying is this, is that I absolutely believe Link Church exists in Clarksville, we exist in Lavaca, and we exist in Oark. I hope that Clarksville, Lavaca, and Oark are all better because we're here. Amen. And and so some of the practical areas of that is, how does that work out? Well, guess what? If uh, a local ball team needs a coach, Mm -hmm. I hope they get somebody uh, that's born again and, and, and knows Jesus as their coach. If uh, Safe Haven or Next Step, a couple of the local faith-based rehabs need some volunteers, mm-hmm. I hope they have sufficient number of born-again believers to draw Amen. from. And on a personal level, I hope that Link Church is right there in the midst of, of that. There is a lady that was attending. Uh, she came at least on occasion to one of our other campuses. She was battling with addiction. Uh a, a, a woman that I got to know while pastoring over at that campus reached out to me and said, hey, there's this lady, and I knew her. She came to her, she her Bible studies, said she's deep in addiction, and she's asked for help. Can we help? And I said, yes. Uh, here's the number to Safe Haven. Give them a call. They called. Safe Haven put her in place that day. Yep. They, they gave her a bed that day. She came in for free when she got there, right? Yep. Now, this is a program that's going to help you get a job. It's going to help you have drug counseling. It's going to plug you into church. Uh, it, they're going to work with Relationships, you. Relationships, accountability, all that, that. That's exactly right. 
So within less than 24 hours, this woman had landed in a faith-based rehab that's directly connected, uh, not only with our local church, but with, with numerous local churches around here. The other day, this woman that helped her get set said to me, said, hey, I want to let you know I talk to her at, I talk to her regularly. She's doing great. Awesome. She got through detox. She's, she, she's now uh, entering the workforce. Uh, she's doing so good. Why is that possible? Community. That's, that's right. That's a connection community. we have not in our church. No. It's the community. That's and, right. And I'm going to tell you, some people get stupid. And if you're out there listening and you've swallowed the stupid pill, I want to help you puke <laughs> it up. All right? That, that is, some people start saying, I don't want those kind of people in my community. And they're talking about people with addicts. They're talking about, why don't we say it differently? Why don't you change the word addict to my brother? My sister, yeah. your niece, That's your right. uncle, well, yeah. I, my, in, kid. my kid. Yeah. Instead of saying, I don't want those people, why don't you say, I don't want your brother in my community. I don't want your son in my community. Yeah. Your grandkid doesn't matter to me. I hope that this is connecting to somebody out there. Amen. We are here at Link Church. I'm going to be very honest with you. We are not here to get Christian people to Christian better. Yeah. All right? That's right? We are here to touch the community That's with it. the power of Jesus Christ. And I hope that if you're listening today and you are lost in addiction or you you have a grandson or a daughter that somebody's given up on, I hope you hear you hear me saying loud and clear, we are here for the community. We are here for your son. We are here for your yes, granddaughter. That Amen. is why we are here. That's why we exist. We, we don't just hope that's an effect. We are here to be linked to God, to others, but straight up to our community, right? We are here to make a difference. We believe that because we're here, not only are things going to happen, but there's things that are not going to happen. Right. People mm -hmm. are not going to take their lives that's because it. we're here. That's People are not going to get lost in addiction right. and end up homeless because we're here. Right. People are not going to lose their kids to the foster system because right. we're here. Amen. And when kids are in the foster system and they need somebody, we'll we up. hope that they yeah. get a born-again, Holy Ghost-filled family Amen. because we're here. Uh, all right, I'm talking about being linked to the community in tangible, real ways. Amen. Reality is, and I don't know who quoted it. You probably do. We've discussed this statement before, but the question is not ask your self what your community is like with your church in it oh, but man. ask yourself what your community would be like without our church in it what That's would powerful. it look like here if our church wasn't here randy cartwright says mm -hmm. if your absence would not hurt the community then your presence never mattered to it that is powerful That's and think powerful. about that wow. and i say this and i say this not because of a boastful reason but a hundred people wouldn't have got saved since January 1 this year if mm -hmm. we're not here. That's right. Millions right. of pounds of food would not go to hungry people if we were not here. Thousands of of, of uh, clothes would not have went to people through the process of what we do. We sponsor ball teams. We serve. We do things in this community. We coach sports teams. We get to speak into lives. I, I was working the boys club tournament this last weekend. Told my wife, I texted her literally had six different families come up to me and say, hey, you're the pastor of the Link Church. We're looking. We're coming to see you. Yeah. Not because I was standing in my church, not because I was in my pulpit, but because I was serving at a program in my yeah. community exactly. where somebody needed me. I didn't have to walk up and start inviting people to church. They knew who I was because of who Link Church is. That's right. I got to say this too. Maybe you're listening. You're part of another local church. So what does that mean for me? Well, let me tell you what it means for you. We need First Baptist. We need Second Baptist. Y'all are doing a tremendous work out there. Uh, we need uh, Silas Outreach Ministries down the road. We need First Assembly. We need our local churches together to all of us remember that we're on the same team. Yeah. We're, we're reaching for the same purpose. We are all here to invest in this community for the glory of God and for his right. kingdom. Uh, now, 
since we spent half an hour on our purpose statement, um, <laughs> we should, we're behind <laughs> as normal. Did we say eight weeks? Hey, we, we meant 16. Yeah. <laughs> a 45-minute show that always runs an hour is now behind. Yeah. But, 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 but that's okay because I, I want us to internalize what this looks like. So why 4D? What, what are we talking about? So 4D, I would say, was originally born, first of all, as I said, back in 2015 with a purpose statement. But then more recently, I was taking a class in Springfield, and part of that class was an organizational leadership class. It forced me to examine our church positively and negatively, right? Now, we don't, we don't like to do that because we like to just stay positive. Right. This was what I found. I, I, there were so many amazing things that God's doing at Link Church. And, and Pastor Dave, this is no surprise because I give you all my papers to read yeah. when I write them because I'm talking about our church and I want you to know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. One of the things I said is that we have a great front door but the back door is still a little bit busted. Yep. That is, people are coming in, but too many of them are still leaking out. Mm-hmm. We got to fix that. That's one thing I said in that paper. It is, it is imperative that we address our back door problem very quickly. Now, what? How do you do that? By discipleship. Uh, Link Church is an exciting place to come. If you come in our building and you don't enjoy yourself, something may be broke inside you. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is a fun place to be. But it's not just about fun. There's got to be processes in place. And that's the question we start to ask as a team. What processes can we put in place to help make sure those that are coming because they want to be here can grow and stay while they're here? Um, And lest anybody thinks that I'm saying, hey, I got here and told Pastor David we need to do this. No, Pastor David reached out to me and brought me here to help with this, right? That's exactly this, right. This, this, the only reason we're all here is because all of us to, to agree, and not just us, but our staff members that aren't in the booth with us today, we agree we're here to make disciples. We believe God brought us all together, as the book of Esther says, for a time such as this. That's we, right. We did, not, we did not set anything in action outside of what we felt God said to do. And we sit down and we said, hey, let's build a team. This is a team. This is not one man, not one woman. This is a team that is doing what we have accomplished. And that class you took in Springfield, uh, I don't remember how many notes you emailed me, probably 50 pages. Was it 50? It was 120. 120 pages. (laughs) Single space. Of single space notes that literally... uh, messed with us and we begin to go to work yeah and i'm going to tell you our organization is doing what we've designed it to do and the reason we continue to keep making adjustments is because of things that our organization needs to do we have changed the backdoor process we have we've begun retaining like 60 percent of people that show up for one service come back a second time that number's staggering okay yeah, yeah. And in, and in less than six months, our church has grown in attendance over 200 people. By the way, the nationwide average is 25%. 25%. 20, 25 that yeah. come a first time, come a second time. Come a carry, second time. Carry on. Our church has grown over 200 people. And I said this last week, and I'm going to keep saying this. We are in the midst of what can be called from January 1 to now, revival. Yeah. The reason I say that is because Revival is not a set dates of times. It's not that, oh, we had church every night for three weeks or six weeks. Revival is about the fruits of what takes place. I've been in revival. I'm going to say something critical. I've preached revival that 
never saw anybody get saved, did have good things happen in the revival, miracles take place. I believe it was for purpose. But I'm telling you, I've been in revivals that did not feel as revived or revival-like as what we're experiencing right right now in these first four months of the year. So when we think about wholeheartedly, yes, and when we begin to think about process, this is the question we ask because a process or a system has steps. It's not it's not programs. It's if I put one foot in front of the other, where is that leading me? That's that's the question we ask. So what process will get us to where we want to go? Well, the first step is discover. That is when somebody pulls onto our parking lot, the question we begin to ask is what do we want to happen when they pull on the property. Well, what we want to happen is we want them to begin to discover who Jesus is, right? We still believe in our statement of faith. If, if, we, if we were unpacking, it would be that we believe Jesus Christ is the Savior. He's the healer. He's the Holy Ghost baptizer. He's the soon-coming king. We, we believe, uh, as the Apostles' Creed once said, we, we, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again. He ascended to heaven and is seated on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And if time would allow, we could go on beyond that. Amen. We believe. We want people to discover that, but we also want them to discover who we are, right? We're not a, since we're not a cult, we're not secretive. We're open and we want people to understand who we are not five weeks after they get here, but the day they show up, we want that up, that discovery process to begin. We are, we want them to know, as you said, who Christ is. Yes. We want them to meet Mike in the parking lot. We yes. want them to meet Robbie, Rob, David, when they walk through the doors and realize, hey, this is not a, this is not typical. This is not a judgmental place. I'm not going to be judged because of my past or yeah. where I've been from. These are just normal people that are here that, uh, in their own lives and imperfections are working to sanctify themselves and get closer to God. And that's what I need to, I can tell you that some of the stuff we've got in the last, even this week has blew our, our theology on some things that we think. Okay. And, and so more and more, we're realizing that link church is here for a purpose. Uh, our statements of faith, as you said there, clearly, uh, and, and if you want more of those, you can go to our website sure. or you can, can go, go to, to ag.org and find the 16 fundamentals and the statements of faith of everything that we believe, and we support those 100%. Wholeheartedly. There is no background that says we don't, okay? Uh, but what we want you to know is we do want you to have an understanding of uh, discovering who Christ is because you don't have to know us to know Christ, but we want you to know Christ, and then we want you to know us. So yeah. you guys want to add anything around here right now? The statement that was made just a few minutes ago about how we're imperfect people, you know, uh, to me that that that's so great, you know, because I grew up in a church where uh, you you thought that the leadership was just on this pedestal and, and they portrayed themselves as though they were they were on pedestal. And I had pastors, unfortunately, who had uh very public disgraces. And then I had some pastors who were amazing and never had very, you know, never had any, any issues or anything like that. But to hear how authentic our leadership is, and, and I know I am technically a part of that leadership, but I'm, I'm talking about our pastor and his wife and, and, you know, our associate pastors and, uh, you know, our discipleship pastor, and I'm excluding myself, but, uh, just to hear how authentic everybody is, uh, is one of the things that drew me to the church the most. 
uh, I came here for the first time because my friend pastored the church. You know, I, I felt like, okay, I can at least go and heal uh, knowing that Dave will, will give me solid leadership while I'm while I'm there. I'm still here because uh, genu- genuinely speaking, I've never experienced uh, God's authentic love so real through people than I do through our church. And and so the, the lady who made the compliment about, uh, you know, I can genuinely see that on a screen. Uh, I can tell you from having stepped in, in the room with the people that, that this is, this is by far the most loving church that I've ever experienced in my life. And that, uh, you make, if you make a mistake, they don't line up to stone you. You know, they, they say, brother, I'm so sorry to hear that that happened here. Let me pray with you. Let me help you get back up and get on the right, right foot. Uh, you know, uh, and, and just building more on, on, I guess on the community aspect of, of, of that, I can't, I can't even begin to explain. And, you know, Robbie is, is, is brilliant. And, and Pastor David will joke that he, that Robbie makes him sound good. No, but Pastor David's brilliant in his own, own way as well. Uh, that, that just, it's amazing to, he does make me sound good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing to see the leadership and, and the guidance and, and, you know, and Pastor Mike as well. I said this before we started recording. Um, and, and if you've heard this term before, if you've been around church for a while, you probably have about an armor bearer, uh, Mike Myers might be the best armor bearer I've ever seen in my life. Uh, just, Absolutely, just a man. man who is dedicated to seeing God's will be done. And, and I'm going to make sure my pastor's vision is executed. And, you know, uh, I just believe that God has put this team together for such yes, a time as this, is that all the, all the skills and all the things that we bring together, uh, you know, have just added to this, that, that God has, has been planning this for so long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm just thrilled that we get to be a part of this genuine revival that is occurring because I agree wholeheartedly with what you said, Pastor. Go ahead, Brother Mike. Yeah, Pastor Rob, I was just going to just touch on that a little bit. Uh, one, thank you for those great compliments. I'm just the guy that tells stories. That's all I do. Um, <laughs> anyway, I like what I've you joked with the people on stage. Yeah, I've joked with the people on stage. I'm gonna get you a theme song, and then next week when you go story time, they're just gonna push play on the sound booth. Yeah, but I like what what Pastor Dave said a while ago, and 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 Pastor Robbie and. And it's 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 an honor to be here with you guys. I mean, y'all are way above what I'm. No, I learn so much here all the time. But anyway, um, I like what what Brother Dave said. He said, when you come, you meet Mike in the parking lot, or you meet yeah. Robbie in the parking lot, or you meet David in the in the foyer, or you meet Rob. And you know, we don't want you to meet Pastor David. Yep. We want you to meet David. I don't need you to meet Pastor Mike. I, yeah. I need you to meet Mike. Yep. You know, I I need to be the same guy that I am all week long while I'm at church, you know, and, and be the same guy all week long that I am at church. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, we're the same people all the time. I've said this over and over. I mean, people walk into a, a church service and they look up at the pastor preaching and they think, man, this, that's perfection. If I can be that. And so many times you don't know what that guy's going through. They should talk or, to my wife. Or what he's, <laughs> exactly. Or mine, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's that's such a mis a misconception of church world today that that it the is. pastor's got it all figured out. I it mean, is. man, if we had it all figured out, we wouldn't be here anymore, right? Right. That's right. right. My dad always said that uh, if you ever did find the perfect church, 
you would go to it and you'd mess the whole thing up. So, <laughs> I mean, reality is it's perfect, perfect church don't reason. exist. Yes. And anybody that ever went to it would make it imperfect because anything that human beings are involved with mm-hmm. is going to be imperfect. That's sure. right. So, I can say we're probably going to need three weeks for Discover. But, yeah, we took a little longer than we thought. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but, but step two is decide. After you discover who Jesus is and you discover who we are, we want you to make a decision to follow Christ. Every week at the end of our services, David, when you're preaching, you conclude in the same way. You are literally the most predictable person that I know. <laughs> you say, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I, in a minute, I want you to put your hand up. Now, don't do it yet, okay? Mm-hmm. I, so I'm going to channel my inner David here for a second. So in a second, I want you to raise your hand. Don't do it yet. That's you right. keep your hand down, ma'am. Yeah. That's for a reason, too. <laughs> That's so that Mike and our other staff members actually have time to get in place and see the hands. Yes. Yes. When 12 are going up, you're like, oh, shoot, what are we going to do? You know, so go ahead. Sorry. So, so but, but here's one of our, one of our I, I think, uniquenesses is that uh, once you have people raise their hand, you say, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to do anything in particular. But what I am going to do, and here's what's different about your leadership than some, uh, I am going to send a staff member directly to you to pray with you. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you put your hand in the air, you are not anonymous. You're very open. The majority of people are not looking around, but my staff members are, in fact, looking. Mm-hmm. And we're going to come to you directly. We're going to lead you to Jesus Christ. We're going to pray with you. And one of the things we're going to do now also, we're going to ask for your phone number. Why? Because we want to follow up with you that week and see what we can do to help you along the way, right? So we're calling you to a decision. And uh, by the way, in another one of our podcasts a few weeks down the road, we're going to unpack what that decision looks like. So this That's is right. just an overview. That's right. So you decide to, to follow Jesus, and, you, and we want mm-hmm. you to decide to plug in as part of this church family if you're not yeah. already yeah. connected elsewhere. Um, third step is is disciple. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. That's right. And and talking about Pastor David's yes. you know predictability, it t- it ties perfectly into it because he always says, yes. uh, it's great that you make decisions, but we're not here for decisions. We're here to make disciples. That's so that's I just exactly wanted to interject right. that real quick. Yeah. Excellent, excellent, Rob. And so since we're not just here for decisions, we're here to make disciples, what that tells us is this is step two goes to step three, which is disciple. What does discipleship look like? Well, in the Assemblies of God, we say there are seven dimensions of a spirit-filled disciple, right? And we want to help people grow in all of those. And so when you start coming, uh, we want once you've made a decision to follow Christ, we want to empower you then to grow in all of those areas. We want to empower you to not only, um, to, to not only just be a, a follower of Christ, we want to empower you to, to grow in that first dimension which is Bible engagement. We want you to learn to dive into the Scripture. We're going to talk about why that matters in another podcast. Second dimension is relationship with the Holy Spirit. Third is mission. Four is prayer. Five is worship. Six is service. And seven is generosity. And one of the mechanisms we're going to use to help make that happen is what we call link groups. Some people call them cell groups. Some people call them home groups. Our model is a little different in some places. But we believe that the relational journey of discipleship is one in which you grow in all seven dimensions. That's right. So that third step, and by the way, when I was thinking process, this is where I actually stopped at. And so I, I initially pitched this as, as you know, 3D. And then, Dave, you called me and you said, no, 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 we've got a fourth that we're going to add. Deploy. Yeah. And I'm like, that's it. 
What did Jesus do after he trained his disciples? He said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you're endued with power from on high. What do they do after that? Go into all the world, Deploy, and, and, yeah. and, and, and you're going to make disciples of all nations. Jesus said, Acts 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He deployed them into ministry. Yeah. So our fourth step in our process, we want to help you actively get plugged in serving God, serving people, serving the community, uh, serving the nations of the world. And we want to make sure you're doing that in the power of the Holy Spirit. The discipleship process is not complete until you yourself are making some disciples. By the way, what could that look like? I just want to throw this out there. We've got a vision that this year, we've already seen 100 people come to Christ in the first three and a half months of this year. Yeah. But I thought the other day, we were talking, what if we could equip 50 of those? That's only half of what's been led to Christ in the first three months this year. What if we could equip 50 of those to lead one person to Jesus Christ and mm -hmm. train them as a disciple this year? Yep. What that would mean is that by the end of 2023, those 50 will be will be 100 disciples. Yep. What if we could do the same thing again next year? By the end of 2024, there'd be 200. By the end of 2025, there'd be 400. Yep. By the end of 26, there'd be 800. By the end of 27, there'll be 1,600. And by the end of 28, there would be 3,200, which is more than 10% of Johnson County and only six years' time, if we could just get 50 people this year to say, I'm all in. I'm willing to take all, I'm willing to take all the steps. I'm going to discover. I'm going to decide. I'm going to disciple. I'm going to be deployed. I'm going to trust my leadership to help me find a place of service that the Holy Spirit can empower me to serve. Within the next six years, we'll shake over 300 people mm -hmm. with the power of Christ, and that's just here. And guess what? We're going to beat that real bad. Say it's all about numbers for you. Is not. Those numbers are your son, your daughter, your That's grandkids, right. your cousin. Those are people, your, not that, numbers. These, these are people, and they're people in our community, so they're mm -hmm. ours to reach. It's our mission. That's, That's exactly wow. right. If you think about, and and I'm going to explain this as uh, I think, where are we at, Rob? How much? Uh, uh, we're over. We're over. Imagine <laughs> that. In four minutes. Imagine that. Yeah. Let me say this, and then you can pray and we'll close. We'll come back again next week and try again. Um, if you're still with us to this point, you really like us and you really like Link Church. And so... Uh, um, <laughs> Or they're really looking for some fodder. Yeah. <laughs> or they're just laughing. Man, listen to these doofuses. Um, but this whole model, when I felt like God give it to me and we begin discuss it, uh, to, to discuss it, I'm gonna give a, I'm gonna give a quick paraphrase of how things work as far as in this church, okay? But when I when I have something in my mind, a lot of times I will pass it to Pastor Robbie and I'll say, hey. I'm thinking about the color red, and I want you to build me something around the color red. And then he'll ask me questions until I give him enough information that he can give something red, okay? That's, that's stupid, but that's kind of how it works. If I need the church built, I go, Mike, I want to build a church. You understand? Uh, that's kind of how it works. It, it's how this situation is as far as that goes. But I told Pastor Robbie, I said, Robbie, I want to... I want to build a discipleship program, and this is where I'm at. And so he said, well, talk to me. And so we started talking about it. And uh, he said, okay, I, I see where you're coming from. And slowly we got to discover, decide, disciple, and then, and then deploy. But as we begin to build it, it, 
it was not just, oh, these are things that God give us words. We literally begin to look at the biblical model of, okay, how did Jesus get his 12 disciples? Well, they discovered who Jesus was. Come and see. They discovered who he was. Then they decided. He looked at Peter, James, and John, and he said, if you'll come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say you have to follow me. Do you want to? Decide if you want to. Later on, Scripture tells us in one place that many disciples, not the 12, were leaving, and he said to them, do you want to go too? Decide. If you want to go, you can, but you got to decide. And in doing that, we figured out that they discovered who Jesus was. They decided to follow him. He spent three and a half years discipling them. And then after he was hung on a cross, rose from the grave, and ascended to heaven, he deployed them. And so literally, we are not doing anything that, oh, wow, look what these guys come up with. No, we're doing what Jesus did. That's all we're doing. We want you to discover who Jesus is. We want you to decide to follow him. We want you to become a disciple is, and then we want to deploy you. And when we say deploy, we're not, hey, there will be people that need to go to other places, all the nations, but we want to deploy you into the community to the Walmart DC and start a revival. We want to deploy you to to your local place of work and start a revival. We want to deploy you to the hospital to pray for sick. We want to deploy you to to the to DHS to help with kids that have been pulled out of homes that need a good Christian influence, that need adopted, uh, whatever it may be. We want to deploy you to be the legs of Christ just like the disciples were. And so when we say these things, it's not that we just woke up one day and went, hey, 4D, this sounds cool. Let's, do, let's go with discover, uh, decide, disciple, and deploy. That sounds neat. No, these are literally the biblical principles of what Jesus built the whole church on. We think it's awesome that we grew by 200 in four months. Imagine the day of Pentecost after all this has took place, discover, decide, disciple, deploy. Peter stands up on the first actual day of deployment or 10 days into deployment, however you want to look at it. And as he stands up there, he begins to preach. We see 200 as a problem, and he goes, oh, wait a minute, 3,000 just got saved. We better figure something out quick. Hey, what we just, they did in one day what we just said we hope to do in the next six years. Six years. By the way, I wouldn't mind doing it in a day. That's exactly yeah, right. And so saying all that, uh, I'm going to give any closing thoughts. Mike, you want to add anything before we close? No, just the fact that, you know, you're closing. I am closing. You it still, takes me forever. It does. It's a while. I'm not, a, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm a short preacher. I'm, a, I'm just a long closer. Uh, we're going to let Pastor Rob pray for us and get us out of here. We said this would be an eight-week program. It might be 42 by the time we're done. Go ahead, Pastor Rob, pray. And for those of you who uh, who are, are hoping that we close this soon, I have muted everyone's mic but my own at this point. Uh, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for uh, who is listening right now. I thank you that they've decided to check out this podcast as as. Pastor David calls us sometimes just rambling, rambling idiots, but God, we're for you, and we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your glory poured out upon this community, and we want to see your glory poured out not just upon our church, but in all the churches in Clarksville. We want to see your glory come to to First Baptist. We want to see your glory come to First Assembly. We want to see your glory come to all the churches within the community, within the sound of our voice, God, as this podcast reaches. And we thank you, God, for the vision that you've given here. And God, we ask that you would help us to be able to uh, learn how to discover who you are, more about you, 
you every single day, God, that we would begin to uh, decide that we're going to make ourselves more like you in everything that we do and follow after you. Let us learn how to not only disciple ourselves in your model, but turn around and how to disciple others. Let us be 360 disciples, disciples that make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples. And Father, would you just deploy us how you will, whether it's to stay in this community or to go to all the reaches of the globe, God. Let your will be done and and let your kingdom come. And we thank you that we get to be a part of that, God. I pray that you would go before us and that you would bring us back again next week to discuss this further, Lord. In your holy name we pray, amen and amen. We appreciate you taking the time. And next week, maybe we'll do better to get closer to that hour mark. No promises. Uh, Until then, we love you. May he bless you. May he keep you. And we'll look forward to talking to you then. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.